welcome to episode 13 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Noy, and I am so pumped about this week, the games, and I'm equally excited to have my good buddy Jason Monez here with me to discuss the week that was week four in the NFL, do a little preview of week five. There's lots of great stuff to talk about, but let's get you in here first, Monez. How you doing, bro? Awesome, buddy. I'm doing great. Uh, really excited to be on here. I've uh, been looking forward to talking football with you all season long. So, uh, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, buddy, let's do it. Uh, let's And let's start with the Monday Night Football game. Uh, hot off the press, the L.A. Chargers uh, hold Ford at home 28-14 to over the Raiders. Although I have to say, uh, in what was kind of a surreal scene at uh, SoFi Stadium, First, we had a weather delay in a domed stadium, which I guess was because the corners of the stadium weren't quite uh, sealed off. And then you had both teams having to deal with a raucous crowd because there's still a lot of Raiders fans in L.A. So the hometown Chargers were actually getting booed by the fans in their own stadium. Of course, the Raiders were getting booed by all the Chargers fans. So both teams were getting booed. Both teams had to deal with the crowd noise, so it was a, almost like a Super Bowl atmosphere in, in terms of the crowd. But the Chargers come out on top 28-14. to 14. What were your thoughts on that game? You know, like you said, I was a little bit taken back when each team had the ball. You'd hear, you know, it was like almost like 1994 again in the old, in the old L.A. Memorial Coliseum. It was, it was strange. That's for sure you don't often hear that many visiting fans travel but I mean again it's Los Angeles the interesting part was you know the Chargers almost seem to be Los Angeles's fifth favorite football team <laughs> old San Diego is what two hour drive I think from Los Angeles and you got Oakland which is a six hour drive so a lot of those people probably making the trip down maybe a lot of them are all inherited Raiders fans I don't know other than other than the fact of the fans and the noise on both sides of the football I thought it was a pretty good game I think it's lived up to the it lived up to the primetime standards the games that we've been seeing the primetime games they've been great Derek Carr did not have a good game you're not often going to win a win a football game when you're throwing under 200 yards sacked four times the LA uh, defensive line really got to him other than that don't have much good things to say about the Raiders you know they've been a they've been a good team a scrappy team all season long. I believe their defense has allowed 27 or more points in the last three games. It's three of the last four games. And Joey Bosa came out after the game and says that they got to Derek Carr, eh? He says, we we rattled him once we once we got to him, we knew he was going to kind of buckle. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? He was 100% right. That's exactly what happened. I think it was a second sack. You could really tell he kind of like curled up in a ball kind of thing. And at that point in time, they knew. They knew it was feeding time. Yeah, the Chargers look impressive out of the gate. And, of course, now they are shared with the division lead with the Raiders. But that was a big game for both teams. I had a feeling the Chargers would win that game. But Eckler looks great back there for them. And that offense is rolling. Justin Herbert just has been incredible his second year. No sophomore slump for him. So the Chargers are off to a great start. So are the Raiders. But I think there might be a few more question marks surrounding the Raiders than the Chargers. You know what? The only thing the Raiders have is to get the Bears next week. There's one way to bounce back <laughs> against a bad team, but we'll get into the Bears later on. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, Jared Cook got in the end zone, I guess. You know, that's the first time this season. Uh, Raiders could, could look at that as a positive. But other than that, there, was, there wasn't much. They didn't have much to show. No. Like you said, Justin Herbert, I think, is a legitimate stud. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move it along here to the most anticipated game, not only of the week, but perhaps uh, NFL history. And last week, uh, Letty and I rated our top five regular season games of all time uh, in anticipation of the Brady-Belichick reunion. Tom Brady going back to Foxborough to face his old coach and his old team. And the cameras were everywhere, and there was a lot of hype, a lot of interviews, a, a lot said before the game. When it was all said and done, the Bucks came away with a tight 1917 win. But the game itself, did it live up to the hype for you? This game would not be on my top five list of games. That's for sure. Again, it was, uh, it was a slow game. Low scoring right until the fourth quarter, really. You know, weather obviously played a role in that. I think Mother Nature took away something that could have been special. Um, was really hoping Tom Brady would throw for one touchdown just to kind of get that little stat on, get another record. He's throwing a touchdown in every building. I think the only other people with that is Drew Brees and Brett Favre, I believe. I don't know if anybody else is there. Mac Jones, though, I think he outplayed Brady. I think. You know, when you got a, a young guy coming in on a stage like that and, you know, all the lights are shining, he came in there and he did his job. I think he executed Belichick's plan. I thought Tom Brady at the beginning of the game, I think the moment kind of kind of got to him. You know, the first drive, he didn't look like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's usually that calm, cool, collective guy, kind of got ice in his veins at all times. And I think that first drive, he, he kind of came out and it didn't look like him. Quickly, quickly turned that around. But I, I think at the beginning of that game, I think, he came out and, you know, I don't know if he was seeing the Sam Darnold ghosts, but uh, <laughs> it, did, it didn't exactly look like the Tom Brady we're used to. But uh, all in all, uh, I think it turned out to be a, a decent game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mac Jones. And, you know, everyone was talking about Brady-Belichick and what, what Belichick would try to do defensively to slow down Brady and the Bucks' offense. But nobody was really talking about the fact that Mac Jones had to go up against the Tampa Bay defense. I mean, that's that's a tall order for any quarterback, never mind a rookie quarterback who's going up <laughs> against who many consider to be the GOAT quarterback of all time. And, oh, by the way, you're not going to have any run game because the Bucks' run defense has just shut everybody down right from the start. They didn't even try to run the ball, really. Uh, they tried to throw it in there. You know when the when the Bucks would least expect it, but they were passing the ball all night in bad weather against a top defense. And yeah, you got to give Mac Jones a lot of credit. I mean, I'm sure the coaches prepared him as well as they possibly could, but you still have to go out and execute the game plan. But that's exactly what Mac Jones did. He effectively beat a fantasy football team. Like when I look at Tampa Bay, that's exactly what I see. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, he lost the game on a doink. Nick Folk, what did you think about that field goal? You think they should have gone for it? They were terrible on third down. That's why Belichick said it wasn't really a decision. I, I and, and I agree. With, and, and listen, they, they didn't lose the game because of the leg. The kick was a good kick. It was a good kick, but 63 yards. Accuracy is it, it's a flip a coin. That, that, that goes a foot the other way. They're good. They ruined they ruin Brady's homecoming, right? So, I mean, he had plenty of leg on the kick, so uh, I thought it was a good call. He obviously knew that, that he had that length. I thought it was the right call. 
Yeah, I can't fault them for going for it. I mean, it's it's one kick to win the game, right? No matter the weather, no matter the length, you've got one kick to win the game. You might as well go for it. Brady, for the record, was 23 of 44, so just barely 50% uh, on his passes for 269 yards, no touchdowns. So I think Belichick did exactly what he wanted to do to Brady in that offense. But, of course, the Bucks are a complete team, and they still came out with the win in the end. All right. Let's move on to your Chicago Bears. And uh, before we get to the game, uh, before we get to the coaches and anything like that, I want to give you the floor to respond to anything that our good buddy Letty said about your Bears. I know you guys are so tight, and yet you're, you're big rivals on the football field because he's a Packers fan and you're a Bears fan. You want to say anything before we get into this game to Letty? Here's your chance. <laughs> Here's the problem. A lot of the things he said were true. Uh, I thought he was a little bit light. <laughs> yeah, listen, I've been a Bears fan for a long time. I've been through the ups. There weren't many of them. And the downs through the bad coaches. I haven't really liked a coach since Lovey Smith. I can't disagree with what Letty said. I really wish I could. I really wish I could come out here and say, you know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers don't like each other. But the fact of the matter is they kind of do and, you know, Green Bay is a very good team, and I hate it. I absolutely hate the fact that Green Bay is a good team. And I hate the fact that they have six layup games a year because this division stinks. However, what I will say is Chicago has a bright future ahead of them. We'll get into the game. I want to hear what you have to say, but uh, there is a lot of a lot of good pieces on this team. The one thing Chicago doesn't ever really have is more than one good offensive piece. And, and right now on this team, I see, I see four very good offensive weapons. So if they can just get the old line right, I think the Bears are going to be hunting some cheeseheads in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Now, the more that you talk and the more I think about it, I think there's actually a lot of similarities between your Bears and my Dolphins. But we'll, again, we'll get back to that in a little while. As for the game, I thought the Bears, <laughs> when they need a win, it's not always there. But when, you know, they win the games that they're supposed to win is what it seems like to me. And this is one of them. Even though the Lions have been putting up a fight every every game so far this season, the bottom line is they don't have a win yet. And I, th- I thought the Bears did a good job to come out, establish themselves early, put points on the board, put Detroit in a position where they were chasing the game. And really there wasn't, a point in the game where I thought, oh no, Detroit's going to turn this around. So it really felt to me like the Bears had this one under control from the go, uh, more or less. Uh, what do you think? So, um, no, I disagree. I was scared in the fourth quarter. So, so what, 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 let's start off this way. Detroit's first three drives, okay? They got inside the 10, first three, three drives, and that got them zero points because they went fumble, fumble, turnover on downs. When, when have you ever seen that? Uh, I guess this is the point where we say at least you're not a Lions fan. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. <laughs> so um, that's why I say, you know, what you said is 100% right. The Bears, uh, they win the games they're supposed to. This was a game they, they were supposed to win. Justin Fields, Justin Fields looked good. He, he looked really good. He got the ball downfield, stretched the field for Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is another guy who, who, who can do some damage out there. Uh, one thing, Fields didn't have to use his legs either, so we didn't even get to see that aspect of the game because you know he can break He can break for some good ones too. David Montgomery ran the ball very well. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Big injury for them. So he'll be out four to six. I honestly don't know if Matt Nagy was calling the plays that game. 
we've talked about this. You know, I, I, I would have fired Matt Nagy after that win if I could have. <laughs> to me, that wasn't Matt Nagy play calling. That looked very, very similar to Bill Lazor. You know, n- nothing's come out about it, uh, who was calling the plays, but Nagy hasn't said it was him and Laser hasn't said it was him either. And it just didn't seem very Matt Nagy-like. But like I said, I'll take the win. Uh, I don't think we're going to get many of them this year. But the bright, the bright spot on this team was Fields looked good. Mooney looked good. Allen Robinson, you know, they, they got him in the mix, which they haven't been doing. Monty looked good, but he, I mean, he went down, so... Yeah, I, I've been a very big critic of Matt Nagy over the past several years and because he is he's an offensive guy. Of course, he came over from the Chiefs, had a full endorsement from Andy Reid, but we know that the, that the genius in that offense of the Chiefs is Andy Reid. So you don't get a, a golden ticket just because you came from that offense. And even if you get that endorsement from Reid himself, because Reid is a genius. And, you know, like Belichick on the defensive side of the ball, we've seen plenty of Belichick's guys go elsewhere and do absolutely nothing. And, you know, this can happen. Nagy is supposed to be an offensive mind. The offense has struggled his entire tenure in Chicago, it has to be said. And if you're even getting to the point where you've got a head coach who's an offensively minded and he then has to turn over the play calling duties to somebody else, what does that say about him? Oh, it speaks volumes. And he did it last year. You know, he turned it over to Bill Lazor, and then, and then in a weird turn this year, he takes it back. Like, what, what did something change? Did he have some kind of re- <laughs> revelation or something? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, he didn't because nothing has changed. Last year, it wasn't even last year. It was the year before with Mitch Trubisky. The best games I've seen Matt Nagy play call was when he had Mitch Trubisky mobile and moving in the pocket, and that's when Mitch Trubisky was at his best too because Mitch Trubisky could, could beat you with his legs. Uh, he wasn't always the most accurate at times, but, you know, he's got to get Justin Fields moving in the pocket. He's got to start, you know, getting these bootlegs uh, because at the end of the day, the offensive line in Chicago stinks, and he's got to figure out something else better for this team or else he's not going to have a job. And I personally, I mean, I don't wish anybody to lose their job, but I don't want him to be the football coach of the Chicago Bears. Well, let's transition right into then coaches on the hot seat, and let's start with Nagy. I mean, it seems like his seat has been fairly warm the last couple of seasons especially, but I I think right now he's got to be feeling it. And I count Nagy as being incredibly fortunate that he has had a top defense to work with there because without that defense keeping them afloat, I think he would have been gone a long time ago. And getting back to that whole, you know (laughs) – a win this week basically saves his job almost, it feels like, right? Could you imagine maybe a loss to the Lions is it for him? But they win, and they'll keep going, and there's it, it seems like there's just enough hope to keep things going along there. And I, I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but Nike really has to be, if not right at the top of the list in terms of coaches on the hot seat right now, Right, right in that mix. I think he's he's number one. He's he is absolutely number one. Here's the thing: Chicago Bears fans are going to love love to hear. Raiders, Packers, Bucks, Niners. That's your next four games. Oof. And they got the Steelers, and they got a bye week. I'm not sure Matt Nagy makes it to the bye week. That is a tough four game stretch. It sure is. And they can they can get beat up. If Matt Nagy makes it to Chicago's bye week, he's going to have to win three of those games. But 
Ryan Pace doesn't seem to be in any hurry to move on from him. So it's a tough one. But yes, he is on the top of the list. Who else do you think is on the hot seat right now? I think your head coach, Pete. <laughs> I think Brian, Brian Flores. Flores. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his third season in Miami now. You know, last, last year he had a 10-win season, which was great. This is your opportunity in that division now. No Tom Brady. I mean, you got the Buffalo yeah. Bills with Josh Allen in there. The division is, it has become a lot easier. And I thought Miami was going to be a pretty good team coming in here. Now, starting off one and three, things aren't going so well. Uh, so I'm not I'm not a huge Dolphins follower. So what do you, what are you hearing around? Well, I'll, I'll I'll preface this by saying that I'm a big Brian Flores fan, and I like him a lot, and I think he's done a lot for the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He is a defensive minded head coach, of course, and I think he's done well there. But the offense is a mess, and part of that is drafting, part of its coaching, part of its personnel. It's sometimes difficult to to cipher through that and, and say, well, what's what's really the root cause here? But the Dolphins actually have two guys calling plays. And uh, so we have, essentially have two offensive coordinators, and they can switch in and out in, in the middle of a game. Our offensive play calling has been just terrible all season long. They're not stretching the field at all, even though they have the weapons to do so. And something needs to change in this offense. And ultimately – as we know, the buck stops with the head coach. So even though I like Brian Flores a lot, I have to say that I agree. He's on the hot seat now because he's been there long enough. Uh, he's certainly got his guys through the draft on the defensive side of the ball. Now he needs to show that even if he's not an offensive guy, that he can empower other people to get this offense going. Because right now the Dolphins have an abysmal offense can barely move the ball, not getting anything in the pass game whatsoever. And uh, it's just, it's difficult to watch. It's difficult to watch five yard outs and shallow crosses all game long that go nowhere, you know, with no rack yards after the catch. Something's going to have to change because you're right. There's an opportunity there in the AFC East right now. I mean, the, the Patriots will be in the mix as long as they have Belichick and the Bills are good, as you said but the Jets are still terrible, and there's no reason now to say, hey, we can't compete in this division. So I agree. Something has to be done, or else he's going to end up going sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, that just seems to be the, the way she goes. And the other guy? <laughs> We're only getting warmed up here. We're just, <laughs> this, this thing's going to about to avalanche. Every, every, everybody's favorite college coach. No, I, you can't sense the sarcasm in my voice. It's Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. <laughs> urban, urban, urban. The guy who wanted to become an NFL coach and, until he became an NFL coach and realized that grown men aren't scared of him and aren't going to beckon to his every call. I don't think they fire him in Jacksonville. I, I think he quits. I, I, I don't think he's back next year. I think he makes it through the season because I think he's too much of an egomaniac to not see it through. But I don't think he's back next year. What do you think? You know, uh, earlier on in this season, I was on with a buddy of mine, and he gave me an over-under of two and a half years on Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. And I was initially thinking maybe three and a half years, and I would take the under. But he surprised me saying two and a half, and I thought, ooh, I said, you know what, I'm actually still going to take the under on that because I just can't see him sticking around. And 
controversy has has been a part of this mix since he took the reins in Jacksonville, hiring a, a coach of his from college who is facing some uh, criticism over racist remarks that he made at Ohio State. He had to turn around and fire him right away because of the backlash, which was warranted, of course. And now, after this game, after they go Thursday night football, they go to Cincinnati, they're in Ohio where he used to coach at the college level at Ohio State, and uh, inexplicably, and I just, you know, because I've got on him already about drafting Travis Etienne and how terrible of a pick that was, inexplicably, he stays back, does not travel home with his team, stays back to hang out with friends, goes out, parties up, and then gets caught on video uh, dancing with a young woman who is not his wife, and everything blows up again. And so, I, I mean, I just don't know what this guy's thinking. He doesn't seem to me to be stable. Like, he, you know... <laughs> He can, he can yell and he can make demands and at the college level, the players will follow him and maybe it gets results, but that doesn't make you a, a healthy human being and it doesn't make the uh, the work environment healthy. And at the NFL level, he he's barely staying afloat. We're, we're barely a quarter into the season. Yeah, I know. When you're a college legend, you're, you're untouchable. You're untouchable. When you're the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, not so much. So a lot more, a lot more things are going to come out. I have no doubt in my mind if he was still coaching Ohio State, that 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 video is not coming out, you know. Right. Yeah. He's with Jacksonville now and doesn't get the same kind of treatment anymore. Yeah, and really that that whole thing this weekend says two things to me. It says of Urban Meyer, he doesn't care, and he's not he's not committed. He doesn't care because he's obviously putting himself in a position like this after another tough loss, and they're 0-4 now, including a loss to the lowly Texans. So to me, it's like he doesn't care. And also, he's not committed. Like, when have you ever heard of a coach not flying back with his team after an NFL football game? And and how does that conversation go? You guys go ahead and get on the plane. I'm going to stick around in in Ohio and hang out this weekend. I mean... (laughs) Can, can you imagine Meyer allowing any of his players to do that? Not a or chance. any coach in the NFL to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to hang around this <laughs> in town here. I'll meet back up with you later. Yeah. Not a chance. Not a chance. And if you want these guys to play for you and then you're telling, sending them mixed signals that you don't care and you're not committed, good luck. Good luck. I agree with you. He's going to be gone a lot sooner than later. Good riddance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The NFL, I don't think, needs Meyer. I think the faster the Jaguars get rid of them, the better for them. Okay, let's move into the NFC West. The best division in football, I don't think, is really contested. Four great teams. And I, I thought that the Cardinals, although they are a good team, would be fourth-place finishers in this division but they are off to a great start, undefeated through their first four games, including a win this weekend, a convincing win, it has to be said, over the Rams 37-20 to in L.A. They went in there and made a statement against the Rams. What do you think about the Cardinals this year? Could they actually win this division? I think they can. They went in there. They put up 200-plus yards on that Rams defense on the ground. The Rams defense doesn't give up 200 yards on the ground. Kyler Murray is a guy who, when he first came in the league, I had zero faith in him. 
And then his second year, I still had zero faith in him, even though he showed some promise. He's a guy, you know, I've been dogging in fantasy. I never thought he would kind of materialize to anything. And he keeps proving me wrong. It's almost like he he has a personal vendetta against me, uh, much like Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, no, Kyler Murray, what a stud that guy is. He can do it all. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs. They've got a great running back tandem there, it seems. You know, James Conner, Chase Edmonds. This Arizona team, I, I think, is is for real. But like you said, this is the best division in football. It's going to be a grind, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, it is going to be a grind. And, man, Kyler, I think I, I had some reservations when he came into the league because he is so short. You know, sometimes you can't see over that offensive line. You get guys batting down your passes. But I think the Cardinals had done a good job of being creative with their pass protection and the way they move Murray around in the pocket to give him the ability to see the field. And I, I am very impressed with the accuracy on his throws. He came into Sunday being plus 80% completion percentage in his last two games, each of his last two games. And he would have been the first Cardinals quarterback to do it three games in a row had he done it against the Rams. He was 75%. So nothing to sneeze at there either. But he is making good, solid, accurate throws. And yeah, I got to admit, the cards look really good right now. I don't know if they can hold on. Uh, for the length of the season, but there's no question that they're going to have their say this year. Uh, yeah, I agree. Just to kind of touch on, on on the Rams a little bit is I think that McVay Stafford connection is going to be uh, it's going to be something to, to to watch. I think that that relationship is just starting to grow. I think we're going to see some special things out of them. Stafford has always had the tool the toolbox. He just never had the tools. He's had you know he had Calvin he had Calvin Johnson, but you know he's battled some injuries, but I think Stafford, if he throws 4,000 yards for the next four years, he could end up, I think, top five all-time in yards. Yeah, he's always been a yard machine. I mean, Stafford's a great quarterback, and this L.A. team, they, they, they have the tools. So I think Arizona could win, but, you know, again, L.A. could take this division easy. San Fran could take this division easy. Seattle could take this division easy. It's going to be a scrap right, right to the end. Yeah, and we're right in the midst of this scrap right now because we also had the Seahawks and the Niners going at it on Sunday. And, of course, all these four teams will be playing each other again next week. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the Seahawks go into San Francisco, win on the road 28-21. to That was a very entertaining game, a real defensive battle, especially in the first half there. San Francisco got out to a 7 nothing lead, and Seattle had nothing going uh, for pretty much the entire first half. And then I would say it was the Russell Wilson magic show. I mean, this guy is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he makes that tremendous play to tie the game, a rushing touchdown where he, uh, he got out of trouble, took off down the left side, and beat his man to the pylon for the touchdown. It's fantastic. Vintage Russell Wilson. Then on the kickoff, the 49ers fumble the ball, get the Seahawks possession, Russell Wilson spins out of his sack, rolls to his right, fires on the run a perfect pass into the end zone, gives him a lead just like that. Russell was at his best, man, in that game, and it was a good one. It came down. Trey Lance came in in the second half, played fairly well, uh, I'd say, for a rookie to come in in that that spot when Garoppolo went down. But, yeah, it was a tight one. Yeah, I think you hit it right there. Vintage Russell Wilson. And uh, not many teams that are going to be beat vintage Russell Wilson. I think he's a surefire, surefire Hall of Famer. 
I don't think anybody can dispute that. Like you said, that that spinoff and then that that dart into the end zone, it uh, dropped my jaw. And then, yeah, Trey Lance. What did you think of Trey Lance? I mean, I think he's got a cannon for an arm, but I think he's got to. I think he's got to learn how to use it. He can figure out how to finesse those throws. It seems like he's throwing everything as hard as he can, and, and trying to and trying to break things. He can finesse those throws. He's going to be a decent quarterback, but I think that's going to ultimately hurt San Francisco this year in that division. Is if Garoppolo is out for any extended period of time, which they said it's a calf injury. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, Lance likes to throw a lot of fastballs out there, and there are times where he's going to need to learn how to finesse that ball. But you know, he's he's very active in the pocket, uh, not afraid to run with it, and he's he's really good with his legs too. So I think that'll buy him some opportunities if he's if he's asked to play a little more. If Garoppolo does spend some time on the sideline, as as you said, he might. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I thought he did pretty good there. Yeah, I think the. Uh... Niners fans are kind of like the Bears fans, and you know they want to unleash unleash the beast, right? I, I don't know how in love they are with Jimmy Jimmy G. He's just keeping the seat warm, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Got a guy like Kyle Shanahan who's uh he, he's a genius out there. So we'll see. I mean, I'm in no hurry to let any of the other NFC teams uh, get better. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a quick look at these games coming up this week, staying in the NFC West, and and I'm just. I'm really excited about all these games. It'll be the Cardinals at home to San Francisco, and it'll be the Rams and Seahawks this week. What do you see happening in that one? Shootout. An absolute shootout. <laughs> now, is that going to be a one-sided shootout, or, or are both sides going to participate? I don't know. I was looking at some, some of the betting lines. Over-under is 54.5 points. Second highest line for the Rams-Seahawks uh, uh, of the week. Early lines, but... I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both these offenses, they're just going to come out firing. They both have good defenses, too. They both can surprise you. Seattle's defense is sneaky good this year. Uh, I know there wasn't a lot of hope for them, but they've been playing well on the defensive side of the football. So that can't always happen, but I'm predicting an absolute shootout. I'm taking the over on that for sure. And who, who do you think is going to win the game? I think the Rams are going to come out, come out on top. Going into Seattle. Slightly, yeah. I think the Rams are going to come come back, bounce back. Man, that's a tough one to predict, Rams, Seahawks. You'd like to think with that crowd noise, the 12th man in Seattle, that's going to make the difference. But you know the Rams are going to be pretty pissed after that loss to the Cardinals and maybe have that extra bit of desperation that you need to get the job done. They typically do have good games, these two, so it should be a thriller. You know, I'll, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one at home over the Rams, which doesn't make sense, really, because I took the Rams to win the division, so they can't lose too many games. But Yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. I guess we'll have something to talk about. Who's, who, who's going to be right next week, you or me? That's it. How about the Cardinals and the Niners? You got a, you got a winner in that one? I think the Cardinals take it. I think, you know, with the quarterback situation, I, I got to go back to, to the way Kyler Murray is playing. and This kid seems unstoppable right now. Just seems to be making all the right passes running the ball at the right time, rolling out of the pocket. Yeah, I think it comes down to the quarterback in this game, and I think Kyler Murray is definitely the superior of of the two or three, whoever's playing. Yeah, I got to agree, and this is a massive opportunity for the Cardinals. I think they're not done making statements because, you know, people are just going to go back to doubting them given the division that they're in. I could see them 
coming out with that exact same motivation that they came out with to beat the Rams. As you said, they've got the better quarterback. And if the Seahawks end up beating the Rams and the Cardinals win against the 49ers, the Cardinals will have a two-game cushion at 5-0 and on the, on the next best team in that division. So that could be huge for them to get up two games on everybody else through five. That would be huge for the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree. These, and these are the games the Cardinals have to win to be in contention for that division. Like we said earlier, I think they can win it, but they got to win these games. They got to win the games that are kind of, you know, put on their plate to win. And I think this is one of them. I think it's a. Well, those games are going to be front and center on week five, in week five. Those are going to be some real good games. Let's move now into uh, the fantasy portion of this episode. And uh, before we get into some of our early season MVPs, I know you and Letty are in a pool together. How are you doing so far this season? I didn't really want to talk about this. Um, took another L this week. I, I am currently sitting at 0-4. I don't think there's any coming back for 0-4. So uh, I made some trades. I, I, I offloaded a, a lot of pieces on my team. Uh, basically, I now have five first-round picks next year. Rebuilding for the future. So, yeah, I decided to kind of sell early uh, at 0-4. <sighs> Let's not talk about my fantasy team. Let's talk about these, uh, <laughs> these early season MVPs because uh, I can tell you none of them are on my team. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, okay, you, you know, we all have those seasons in fantasy. Those are, those are hard ones, right, because uh, – for whatever reason, a little bit of luck and all that, you just you, you get off to a, a slow start, and then it's it's such an uh, an uphill climb in fantasy to get back into the playoffs, especially if your playoffs are only four or six teams. It can be almost impossible to recover from a bad start like that. But yeah, let's talk a little early season MVPs. I know we've both got a few guys that we really like that have been just spectacular. I'll start with, and, and this will be a no brainer, really, but. Derrick Henry got off to a little slow start there in the first game or so, but uh, has really come on strong since uh, 113 carries for over 500 yards already in just four games uh, and four touchdowns. He's added 14 catches for 125 yards, which for him is pretty darn good considering that he barely catches anything uh, over the course of the season. So he is really being utilized in that offense. And you got to say in that division, with his pedigree, he's just going to keep going all season long. So I could, I could, he was over 2000 yards last year. He could actually do that again this year, which is especially with the extra games. So he's, he's definitely an early season MVP for me. Next up, Rob Gronkowski, who threw three games. Of course he missed the big game up in Foxborough. That was the only bad part about that game was that Gronk did, didn't get to participate, but through three games, he's still the tight end three. So he's off to a hot start. He looks like the Gronkowski of old, and which is big reason why a lot of people are predicting the Bucks to go back to the Super Bowl this year. We'll see, of course. But a healthy Gronkowski is is uh, good news for fantasy owners there. And then I'm going to throw one right out of nowhere. A guy who had no preseason hype whatsoever, was not on the fantasy radar at all for most leagues altogether. Dawson Knox, tight end for the Buffalo Bills, who is a tight end five early on in this season. 15 catches, 144 yards, and four touchdowns. I don't know if he'll keep it going, but, man, out of nowhere, that guy has put up some big numbers, and I wonder how many people have benefited from him early on in the season. 
Yeah, no, why not throw him in there? <laughs> but who's got throwing the ball to him? Yeah. yeah, anything's possible with Jason Allen. Yeah, that's for sure. Josh Allen. Josh Allen, sorry. <laughs> wow. What did I say? Jason Allen. Jason Allen. There is a Jason Allen. That must be it. Anyway. He ain't throwing the ball to Dawson Knox. He's not throwing the ball to Dawson. <laughs> if he was, Dawson Knox would have a lot less fantasy value. I can. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, again, uh, I think this one's a layup here. Uh, in, in, in Cooper Cup, 30 receptions, 46 targets, you know, 431 yards and five touchdowns through four weeks. He's got a shiny new toy in Matt Stafford. Sean McVay loves Cooper Cup too. Uh, so he's going to always include him in the offense, and uh, it seems it seems to be Stafford is is really liking Cooper Cup too. So I think that's going to be something we got to keep our, keep our eyes on. I think uh, if you got Cooper Cup on your team, you're 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 a happy person. And another wide receiver out there is uh, Debo Debo Samuel. Love that Debo again. Look at you look at his stats like twenty receptions on forty two attempts, four hundred ninety yards, three touchdowns. We'll see what happens with Trey Lance and if that production drops. But, uh, I mean, he's coming into the conversation. Uh, I mean, not, not coming into the conversation. He's in the conversation as, as one of the most valuable wide receivers for fantasy football out there. Absolutely. And even, even though it was a broken play, Lance did find Debo down the sideline for a huge touchdown on Sunday. So he can keep going, I think, even with Lance in there. Yeah. And then uh, Cordero Patterson. Wow. The uh, – what seems to be is the NFL's secret weapon. That's not so secret. I I seen him in Chicago the last the, the last few years, and and you know he lined up at wide receiver. He he returned kicks. You know he lined up at running back. This this guy can do it all. What does he have? Twenty seven rushes for one hundred and nineteen yards and a touchdown. Eighteen receptions on twenty two targets. Two hundred thirty five yards. Four touchdowns. Got three last week. He is a big body. And he is an absolute lightning bolt running down the field. Listen, if you can get him in your flex position and have him there all year, have at her because this guy's going to, I mean, and especially with Matt Ryan, this guy's going to put up great numbers in in Atlanta and uh, yeah, watch out for him. Yeah. Ryan definitely seems to be looking for him a lot. And especially I find when you get into the bye weeks, you know, and you got guys going off on bye, you can put him into running back. You can put him into wide receiver, Wherever you need him, you can plug him in. He seems like one of these guys whose career just seems to get better the older he gets. In my fantasy league, Corderell Patterson is a running back three, and he's a wide receiver six. <laughs> I mean, like that's absolutely insane. It is. Uh, running. Uh, sorry, he's a wide receiver five, even. So wide receiver five, running back three, I mean, Wow. I, I tried to get him in one of my leagues. Uh, he was up for – we have the fab system, so you have fake money that you can bid for uh, on the waiver wire. And uh, I almost had him. I thought I did. I put, I put in a, a fair amount of coin for him, but a couple of guys went over, up over the top on me. And uh, the best guy in the league ended up with him, so <laughs> just made his team even better. But, yeah, Cornerell Patterson, of all people, uh, an early season – Fantasy MVP. How about that? Nobody would have seen that coming. Nobody. Nobody. It's completely out of, out of thin air. Now, I know you don't want to hear my, my fantasy tips after I told you my record that this year. Um, but for all you owners out there that, that, are, that are selling right now, and, and, and if you have the, uh, the, 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 the fab budgets, 
one thing I have been doing, and this has been working, every trade I'm making, I'm including, you know, 15, 20, 30 fab dollars in there. So I'm racking up a huge free agency, a fab budget right now. And uh, it's, it seems to be falling by the wayside of everybody. everybody it, it doesn't change anybody's minds on these trades I'm making, which is perfect. We're in week four. Players are going to go down. I'm going to have all the free agency money, and I might be able to grab some good players out there. So if, if you're in my situation and, and you guys are doing the, uh, the FAAB, make sure you include that money in your trade. It might help you out down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's two ends to that, right? There's the beginning of the season where some guy just pops onto the radar and people go for him. And then there's that end of the season where maybe it's an injury or maybe it's just a rookie that was kind of not doing much for the season, but then all of a sudden takes off. And right before those fantasy playoffs get there, if you've got that fab money to go out there and get a guy, he could really be the difference in making a run through the playoffs. You know, even if you're just squeaking into the playoffs, he can be the guy that makes the difference for you. So absolutely, if, if you've got that money down the stretch, pour it into somebody when it, when the opportune time comes and go for it. It's also another bargaining trip, again, at the trade deadline too. If you've, you've got a ton of it and someone needs it, you know, I don't know what it's going to get you, but it could get you something. I... Well, that's going to be a wrap on this one, buddy. Thank you so much for coming by, and we're going to do this again next week where we'll get to talk about what happened once again in the NFC West. There's lots of great games on tap, so I look forward to coming back then and talking with you. Thanks for being on with me, bro. Looking forward to it, buddy. See you next week. All right. That's it for us. We're out. Take her easy. Take her easy.